Welcome to Crucified, another episode, and we are very glad that you have joined us. Here we have one perspective, and that is God is right. I am your host, Charlie McQuillan, pastor of GraceWorks Bible Church in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and it is my privilege to be your teacher for this time as we study God's Word together, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. I have a question I want to open up today's episode with, and the question comes from yours truly. Am I old, but not too old? I want to read this is something that gave me a good, good laugh earlier in the week. I want to read to you a conversation that I received from one of the families here from from our church. Mom has this conversation going on at the breakfast table, and so <laughs> she she sent uh, she sent us this this conversation. You'll get a kick out of this. Her son was saying that he was starving to death while she was frying up bacon. Her daughter replied. If you do not eat or drink, you die. And then she went on, But not Pastor Charlie. He does not eat at all. He just drinks water. But he does not eat. Now, this little girl is is five years old, and she has good sound reasoning here. If you do not eat or drink, you die. I would agree. But then she says, But not Pastor Charlie. He does not eat at all. He just drinks water. He does not eat. And then her this little girl's brother res- responded, yeah, he does not eat bacon because it is too heavy. I think it's because I'm too heavy. And so then mom asked the question here, uh, why why is it okay for us to eat bacon but not Pastor Charlie? And her daughter replied, because he is old but not too old. And then she concludes with, apparently my children think that you never eat food. Well, <laughs> I I'm just... I'm old, but not too old, and uh, <laughs> funny, that's such a funny thing. I've been wondering, where, where do you think they got that from, huh? Well, normally when they see me, I have a container of water nearby, and I don't, I don't drink water while I'm teaching. I grew up with that, that habit being, you know, refraining from, from water drinking at the pulpit, so that's something that stuck with me. So I, I always have water nearby, though. And I'm known to go on water fasts where, you know, you don't eat anything for a period of time and you only drink water. I wouldn't recommend it. So, you know, you could imagine where these kids get this idea. I, I just want them to think that I'm I'm super spiritual and that uh, I don't need uh, to eat. Uh, I'm, I'm living off of the spirit. I did, I did respond with, well, you know, man shall not live by bread alone and you know the rest. So <laughs> I'm old. I'm just not too old. Uh, I got a kick out of that, so I thought I'd share that with you. This family here, uh, we have a, we have a number of young families in, in in our assembly, and a lot of kids. Uh, we have five kids at, here at home, and then this family that that sent me that conversation, they have five little ones, and then there's another family with one and two, and you know we've got quite a uh, quite a group of kids, and so we pray for them and excited about uh, them growing up in the grace of God, and thankful for for all the little ones and their families that make good decisions to raise them up in, in the Word of God. So praise the Lord. So I, I, if I want to, if I want to laugh, I just look at that and have a, have a good laugh. Um, okay, well, let's continue on with our study in the book of Philemon. Today, I want to talk about uh, making decisions in the dispensation of grace, how to make good decisions, and, and the, the thinking process that Every believer should know to go through as they approach making choices. Look at verse 10 here in, in the book of Philemon. Verse 10, Paul 
as he's beseeching Philemon, he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. From verse 12 on to verse 16, you might wonder, you know, where, you, where do you see this decision-making process coming in in the book? Well, think about it this way. In verse 12, Paul says he, he sends Onesimus back. He says, I have, I've sent him again. I've sent him back. And then he, he beseeches Philemon to receive him. Paul makes a decision here. You'll notice in verse 13, he says, Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. When he says in, 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 in verse 13, I would have retained him with me. I would have kept Onesimus. Your slave who, who, who came to me, heard the gospel, trusted the gospel. We talked about you know true biblical repentance last time. He has a change of mind, quits trusting in himself. Every person's got to get to that point. Quit trusting in yourself, quit trusting in your religion, quit trusting in, 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 in your priest, your preacher, quit trusting in your ceremonies, quit trusting in, in, in all of your religion and all your good works and all your good intentions, all your human wisdom. Put that aside. You're without strength. You need, you need a Savior. And that's Jesus Christ. And everybody has to come to that point where they have a change, that, that change of mind. I'm not going to trust in myself, but I'm going to trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm simply going to just trust him that he paid for my sin. He was buried, raised again for my justification. That's the gospel of salvation today. You believe that message? God gives you eternal life as a free gift. You have it right now. If you're in Christ, you have eternal life right now. You have righteousness in Christ right now. You're the righteousness of, of, of God in Christ. So it's a wonderful exchange, a great substitution. Christ takes our sin's judgment at Calvary. When we put our faith in him, we receive his righteousness. That's a wonderful gift. And here Onesimus, here he comes, he goes to Paul, trusts the gospel, is now a member of, of the body of Christ, and he's obviously learning and growing in, in, in the Word of God. And Paul says, I would have retained him with, uh, with me. I would have kept him, that in thy stead, in Philemon's place, he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. So Paul has to make a decision. Yeah, I'd love to keep the guy. He's been a, a real help, but that's not right. I'm going to send him back. But in that process, you have to think, well, Onesimus has to make the decision to also be agreeable and go back and confront his master. And then Philemon has to make some decisions. Now, you don't see the decision, obviously, in the next week or two as we close out the book. We're going to see if, if we can determine what Philemon's final decision was. There's a few, few different takes that I'm going to put to you when we talk about that. But each, each member there, Paul, Onesimus, Philemon, they had made some decisions and had to make some decisions about what they were going to do. And there is in Scripture 
a process on how to make choices for your own sake and for the sake of others. How do you evaluate circumstances and choices in your life and make good, godly, God-honoring choices? Well, there's an answer for that, and we're going we're gonna to spend some time today looking at that. Now, I just want to make one point uh, before, we, before we get into that. Verse 13, when Paul says, I would have retained with me, I would have kept Onesimus with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. And I, I might have mentioned this, I don't really remember now, but I, maybe I made a, a comment about this, but if I don't remember it, you know, maybe there's a chance that, that uh, you had forgotten now. So I'll bank on that. Uh, look at Colossians chapter 3, and this is something you'll see kind of in the heart of the book. Paul does this in several different ways, where he he's constantly affirming the oneness, the unity that Philemon and Onesimus have in Christ. Socially, in their circumstances, they're not they're not the same. They're not they're not equal. Equality and and, and sameness aren't always synonyms, but you understand they their their social circumstances are different. Here's the master. Here's the slave. Here's someone that's obligated to to, to serve his master in in the in the flesh. That type of thing. And and there's some wrong that's committed. All you know the story by now. In life, they're not equal, but in Christ, they are. And and Paul really affirms that over and over again in, in the in the book. Now look at Colossians chapter three. Look at verse. Look at verse one. Let's do this. See, I, I do this on on Friday nights and and Sundays all the time. Our our folks are really gracious with me when I do this. I usually say, you know, go to verse ten, and then I start in verse one. It's interesting, and I've 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 made the statement over and over again. When when you think of about what you're reading there in the book of Philemon, you know, sometimes consider what what Paul says in the book of Colossians, and you'll see a lot of interesting connections. You know, think about what he says here in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Listen, if you've got life in Christ, you're risen with him. And and seek those things which are above. All those blessings that are that are in Christ in heavenly places, he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Those things, who you are, your identity, your completeness in Christ. Think on those things. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, verse 2. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. Man, that's good advice. I mean, that's really good advice. Set your affection, the, the, the thing that you, you love to dwell on, your, your, your heart's desire, so to speak. Set your affection on things above. You know, sometimes you just need to learn how to, how to lo- you know, love thinking about and dwelling on and meditating upon and renewing your mind in the things of the Lord, your, the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ, not on things on the earth. Too often we're so focused on our circumstances and, and we're so focused on, on the here and now, and, and yet we forget the resource that God has given us in Christ to deal with the issues of life. And, and those things aren't going to be found in, our, in, in things on the earth here. It's going to be found in what we have in Christ. Now, verse 3, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. I mean, that's that's what this is all about. You are crucified with Christ. You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You remember the Princess Bride? You know, where they, they take the guy to the, you know, this little wizard or something, and, and they go to him, and, and he looks at this, at the, the main character there, and, or at least one of them, and, and he says, well, he's he's mostly dead, but he's slightly alive. And you think, well, that's not what he's talking about in verse 3. You're not mostly dead and slightly alive. 
or slightly dead. And no, no, you are completely dead. You're crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live, Galatians 2.20, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's what he's talking about. When Christ, who is our life, he continues, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. What a wonderful verse. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. That word mortify, put it, put it to death. Reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Do you think it would be helpful for someone like Onesimus, someone like Philemon, as much as anybody else, you, me, it would be helpful for them to know these verses, to know about this truth. I believe Colossians was written after uh, the book of Philemon, myself. But the truth here that we see, putting off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, uh, and, and lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. That would be a helpful thing to know when your runaway slave comes back, knocks on the door, says, hey, I got a letter. You know, you can imagine how you would get in your flesh. Is don't be characterized by, by that, that old man. That's crucified. But then he goes on, verse 10, and have put on the new man. It's your new identity in Christ, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, here's, here's where we, we get to the, this is what I was getting at. Verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. In the body of Christ, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. You couldn't say that in the past. You couldn't say that under prophecy. You couldn't say that in the Old Testament. There most certainly was a distinction. You could not say that during the, the life of, of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6, Matthew chapter 15, with the Canaanite woman, and, and, and many other passages in the Gospels, they recognized a distinction between Jew and Gentile, circumcision and uncircumcision. But today in the dispensation of grace, in the body of Christ, there is no difference. You could not say that in time past. You could not say that in the, according to uh, the law. And he goes on, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. When he says to, to Philemon, I would have retained him with me. He says that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. I mean, think about the statement that he's making. He was just as helpful and as useful as you were or as you could be. You know, you could just see where in many verses in the book, verse 15, for example, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldst receive him forever. He's Look, he is your brother for all eternity now. And verse 16, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, someone who's, who's equally in the family of God, Philemon. Get beyond just the physical circumstance. Recognize who he is in Christ now. And think about one another in that sense. Philemon has to, he has to make some decisions, we'll see. But let's talk about this. Let's, let's get to the, the heart of the issue for, for today. And, and let's talk about decision-making and the dispensation of grace. Come with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And when we were talking about love, you know, we think of the word love as infatuation or, or sometimes, you know, if you listen to 
if you listen to any rock song, love is really uh, nothing different than lust. And it's some sort of emotional state, an emotional high. You know, you just have this overwhelming emotion and, and attachment and, and infatuation with someone. Well, that that is not, we're not talking about that kind of love. But here in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. See, this, this love here in the scriptures, he talks about like uh, the, the Greek word there, agape, that's an attitude of love. That's, that's not just some f- sort of feeling or emotion. And that's important because your emotions change and your emotions respond. They're not thinkers, they're, they're responders. You have to remember that. Your emotions need to follow the facts of God's word. It needs, to, it needs to be what God says first. You need to trust in that, rest in that, walk by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 states, and then let your emotions respond to that. That's fine. But oftentimes we allow our emotions to lead us in our activity, and that's very dangerous. So you want to have the, the truth of God's word be the, the leader. You want to rest in what it says, let it effectually work in your life, and then the emotional stuff will come. Emotions aren't bad. They're necessary. You've been created with them, but they're not meant to lead your activity. Verse 9, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. This type of love, biblical love, biblical charity, when we talk about, about love and charity and that type of thing, what we're talking about is, is loving what God loves, to, to put a value on something according to God's thinking. It's an evaluation. When you love something the way God loves, it impacts the choices and the judgments that you make. So there, there, there in verse 9, let it abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Something that you grow in, something that you just initially have. I remember talking to a to a brother some time ago, and he said, "Yeah, man, you know, after faith in Christ, I just I don't have any hate in my heart. I'm just full of love." No, you're full of jelly donuts, dude. Okay, you're not full of love. Just just intuitively, you just love everybody. No, rather your love needs to grow and abound in the knowledge of God's word and in all judgment. And then verse 10, why? That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So love is an attitude, it's a, it's a mindset that needs to be nurtured and grown and impacted by the knowledge of sound doctrine. And let that impact the way you evaluate things in life. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'll give you an example here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, here we have, Paul's thinking process on, on, on how he makes choices, how he makes evaluations, he says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. You know, when you, when you start making choices in life, you get beyond the point of, is it right or is it wrong? That's the easy part, usually. You know, when, when something's wrong, you better identify that pretty quick. This is wrong. That's sinful. That's not who I am in Christ. Get away from that. But what about, you know, it's kind of the gray matter, right? It's those those areas where it's not it's not a matter of, of, of sin. It's it would be I have liberty. So in First Corinthians six, we see how Paul makes decisions in respect to himself. Everything that comes through your life is not always an expedient thing to do. It's not a matter of right and wrong. You know, sometimes you got choices between one good thing and another good thing. And, and what does Paul say? 
approve things that are excellent. Now, verse 12 goes on, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So one, you have to ask the question, is it expedient? Will it be a good thing to do? It's not wrong. It's not sin. But is it expedient? You see, you kind of, you go beyond just the basics now. And then the next point there, he says, I will not be brought under the power of any. Is this something that can uh, rule me? Am I going to to be uh, enslaved by this? You know, you have to ask questions like that. Look ahead, look beyond just the here and now, and, and think about how your choices impact you over time. Is this a good decision to make? Will it rule me? So that's what Paul, that's kind of the process that Paul goes through when it comes to himself. But then there's something that excels that even. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He kind of follows the same uh, pattern here, but then he, he goes a step further. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Okay, we saw that in chapter 6. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. He goes beyond thinking about himself, and it branches out to how does this impact others. See, that's where grace takes you. That's where where having your love uh, abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, approving things that are excellent. That's where that comes in. Love isn't self-centered. It's others-focused. And you need to get to a point spiritually where when you make choices, you need to consider how it impacts other people. As a, as a husband, as a father, I make decisions and I need to consider my wife. I need to consider my children. And I need to grow in those things. How does this impact my wife? How does this impact my husband? How does this impact my children? How does this impact, you know, uh, the saints in the assembly? And you need to get beyond yourself and, and, and go through that filter. Is it expedient? Okay. But does it edify? You could do something that, that is fine for you to do, is good for you to do, but maybe it doesn't benefit the saints. All of a sudden, your decision-making changes quite a bit. Now, I want you to see this in the book of Philemon. Verse 12, he says here, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive, and that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Okay, would it have been beneficial for Paul? Would it have been expedient for him to have Onesimus there? Well, apparently he's profitable. Would that be considerate and edifying towards Philemon? No. See, he considers Philemon. Now, verse thir- verse 14, he says, Without thy mind would I do nothing. I'm going to consider, you know, I'm not going to keep you in the dark. So what does he do? He sends Onesimus back. Now, Onesimus has to make some decisions when you think about it. Would it be expedient for me to hear, to be here and minister with the apostle of the Gentiles? Certainly would seem like it. Would it be the right thing to do when it came to Philemon? Would it edify him? Well, he's got to make that decision. And he does. He goes back. Now, Philemon has to make some decisions. Could he carry out some legal ramifications towards Onesimus? Certainly. Would that be expedient? Would that be in his interest? Would it be edifying? Would it, would it edify Paul? Would it edify the body of Christ? See, he's got to make those decisions. One, is it expedient? Two, does it edify? Now, we're going to talk about, in the episodes to come, any verses that might shed light on Philemon's decision. Well, till next time, enjoy life in Christ, 
get in God's word, and go serve the one who gave it to you. Praise the Lord.